passage from the Bible we're going to be looking at this morning is Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 to 20. It'll come up for us on screen. Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 to 20. Allow me to read this out uh, for us. Verse 15. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, by Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And Christ is before all things and in him all things hold together. And Christ is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything Christ might be preeminent. For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him, through Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. This passage that we just read from the book of Colossians was very likely a Christological hymn. Just as we were singing about Jesus as the church gathered this morning, the early church soon after the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus would gather together. And this is perhaps the passage we read is perhaps a hymn that they would sing together. And I'd like to call, us, call this the Redeemer's hymn. In Christ, all things are redeemed. The Redeemer's hymn. And so this morning, I'd like to invite us to look at the implications of the Redeemer's hymn in our secular world, in the world we live in, in a city like Mumbai, in the busyness of lives that you and I lead, in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the ambition, in the midst of all that we are all doing, what are the implications of this Redeemer's hymn in the world that we live in? This hymn from Colossians chapter 1 simply declares two things. It declares that Jesus made it all and it declares that Jesus paid it all. This hymn reminds us that Jesus created all things and this hymn reminds us that Jesus also redeemed all things. I don't know if you noticed as I read the passage, the phrase all things or everything is repeated six times in six verses. Verse 19, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Most of us, quite often, we tend to think of redemption mostly only in terms of evangelism and the salvation of all peoples. This is true. This is of highest importance. But this is not all of the redemption that God desires to bring about. 
this passage is inviting us to consider a broader perspective god is redeeming all things god is not only redeeming all peoples god is not only redeeming all peoples and all nations god is also redeeming all things so the redeemer's hymn in colossians is a reminder that god's redemption plan is not only limited to the salvation of human souls but it also extends to the redemption of all created order this means that god is redeeming our work this means that along with leading people to salvation leading every people every nation every time every tribe and every tongue along with leading all peoples to salvation god is also redeeming arts god is also redeeming entertainment god is also redeeming culture god is redeeming marriage god is redeeming friendship god is redeeming community he is redeeming every culture even as he is redeeming all people god in christ is redeeming all things that's what this hymn in the book of colossians reminds us and so this morning i'd like to draw three things for us from this passage the full scope of redemption that's the first the full life of mission that's the second and the full power for mission the full scope of redemption the full life of mission and the full power for mission let's start with the first thing the full scope of redemption from the very beginning god has inextricably linked humanity with the rest of creation so when god created adam he put him in the garden of eden to work it and take care of it that's genesis chapter 2 verse 15 and human beings were god's stewards given the responsibility to fill the earth to reign over it to exercise dominion over all creation on god's behalf but later when adam and eve sinned not only were they cursed the earth was cursed cursed too immediately after the fall god told adam cursed is the ground because of you that's genesis chapter 3 verse 17 you see the ground did no wrong creation did no wrong but because god has placed the earth and all of creation in the, under the dominion of adam and eve the ground was also cursed for adam's sin we see this continue in the time of noah too all of creation suffered also suffered with a punishment for the sins of men and as the gospel storyline unfolded from creation and fall to redemption and renewal we see in romans chapter 8 that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now and finally the bible assures us that at the glorious return of christ we will not only see the redemption and the glorification of god's elect we will also see god usher in a new heavens and a new earth all creation will be renewed when christ comes again So this this hymn of the redeemer that the early church used to used to sing in the book of Colossians is a reminder 
that the gospel is not only about the salvation of all people, but the gospel also extends to include the redemption of all creation. This is the full scope of redemption. God is redeeming all things. God is reconciling all created order to himself through Christ Jesus. And the first thing I want to draw for us from the passage, God's redemption plan include all peoples and all things. That brings us to the second thing that I think we should be looking at from this passage, the full life of mission. How should the Redeemer's hymn shape all of our everyday lives in the world that we live in. Look back at your last week, the life you lived, the life I lived this last week. How should the Redeemer's hymn have shaped your life and mine this past week? To begin with, we need to remember that Jesus is transforming all of the culture outside the church he is transforming all of the culture outside the church first and foremost by transforming our hearts within the church. You see, Jesus is transforming the world by transforming your heart and mine. It is in each of our coming to faith in Jesus and it is through each of our discipleship, it is through the transformation that Jesus is doing in our hearts that God is bringing about the renewal of all creation. God, in his sovereign good pleasure, is choosing to channelize the redemptive work of all creation through you and through me. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And so from the moment every one of us came to faith in Jesus, we have all become both objects of God's transformation and also agents of God's transformation. We are both objects and agents of God's transformation. First, as objects of God's transformation, we are being sanctified daily. Our hearts are being renewed daily by grace. As we gather together, as a church, Sunday mornings like this Sunday, as we sing to Jesus, we remember our sinfulness. We repent, we come to him, we rest in him, we're renewed in him. So in that, we are being objects of God's transformation. Next, as agents of God's transformation, God is compelling every single one of our hearts by grace to work for the transformation of the world around us. To work for the transformation of the culture around us. So God is working in us and God is working through us. We are both objects and agents of God's transformative work. So all of your Christ-inspired labor and all of my Christ-inspired labor in the realm of, of vocational, social, and, and cultural renewal is part of how God is redeeming this world. Uh, New Testament scholar N.T. Wright uh, summarizes this truth in, in, with such beauty and in a manner that stirs our hearts. This is what N.T. Wright says. He says, 
you're not oiling the wheels of a machine that's about to fall over a cliff. You're not restoring a great painting that's shortly going to be thrown into a fire. You're not planting roses in a garden that's going to be dug up for a building site. You and I, each of us, you are strange as it may seem and almost as hard to believe as the resurrection itself. You and I, we are accomplishing something that will become in due course part of God's new world. The gospel is not only for the salvation of all people, the gospel compels us to work for the renewal of all things. Whatever sphere of influence God has given you at this moment of time in your life, if the sphere is out there in the world, in the marketplace, in, in, through, through, through your career, whatever, maybe it's banking, maybe it's journalism, maybe it's, it's the development sector, wherever God has placed you, you are both an object of God's, God's transformation and you are an agent of God's transformation in that place. If he's placed you in a home as a homemaker, you're called to be agents of God's transformation in your home and in the neighborhood. Wherever we are placed, we are called to be both objects and agents of renewal. And so this passage in Colossians, this Redeemer's hymn that the early church used to sing quite regularly, is therefore calling us to a hopeful reorientation. A constant, ongoing, hopeful reorientation of our social life, of our vocational life, of our family life, of our leisure life, so that everything, all of our life aligns with God's wonderful plan for the redemption of all things. And so evangelism of the world and cultural renewal are both equally important gospel imperatives and for us the redeemer's hymn therefore is a powerful call to also go beyond the walls of the church to see the redemption of God play out in every aspect of the created world the question is how do we stack up in the light of the exhortation in the Redeemer's hymn in the book of Colossians. How do we measure up to this, the lives you and I live? How do our lives measure up to the Redeemer's hymn? I think, based on my own heart and based on my own life, I think in the grime and the reality of everyday life, we're likely to fail in two ways. The first way we fail we are likely to fail, we are vulnerable to failing, every one of us, is by being indifferent, especially in a city like Mumbai, a Mumbai that, that fuels our ambition, our selfish ambition, a city that fuels our striving, a, a city that constantly triggers our anxieties and our worries, especially in, our city, in a city like Mumbai, we are vulnerable to fail in living out the Redeemer's hymn by being indifferent. We are indifferent to God's redemption plan for the people around us, and we can be indifferent to God's redemption plan for the renewal of all things 
around us. Let me ask us a simple question. I think of all the people, the friends and colleagues and perhaps neighbors that, that we've inter interacted with this past week. Did, did we feel a burden for them? Did we experience a desire in our heart to, to understand where they are spiritually, where they are in their journey, and where we conscious, did we even think about if we could come alongside them in, in some way to kind of help them along in the way, take, help them take a step closer to Christ? Did we have any such thoughts at all? Or where are interactions with them just functional, utilitarian? I've got to get my job done. You've got to get your job done. We've got to get something done together. Work and, and, and stuff like that. Indifference. Or think about the renewal of all things. I'm sure all of us worked really hard this week. This week, you know, perhaps this past week, like every other week, we worked long hours. And, and knowing most of you, and knowing all of us, I think we appreciate that about each other. I am sure every one of us worked with a passion for excellence. Here again is my question. Did we really work as part of God's redemption plan for the renewal of all things? Or did we just work for ourselves? In the busyness of our work, did we pause to see truth, beauty, and goodness increase? Did we contribute to truth, goodness, and beauty increase in the world around us? Or were we just preoccupied with how successful we could be or how we must not fail in what we do. Did we indeed pursue renewal or did we merely pursue excellence? You see, in the light of God's redemptive plan for the renewal of all things, even excellence is a pale shadow. So the bottom line, what motivated us to work? Was it fear? Was it, was it a vision for the coming renewal? Or was it just selfish considerations that pushed us, that drove us, that motivated us to work? And so that's the first way we, we fail to live out the Redeemer's hymn. Just indifference. The second way we miss living out the Redeemer's hymn is by isolating or separating these two mandates. We, we separate the mandate to see the renewal of all things from the mandate to see the redemption of all peoples. You see, in every one of our lives, we put these two things in two separate boxes. The redemption of all things in one box and the redemption of all people in another box and we don't let these boxes come anywhere close to each other. And which is perhaps why we struggle to live out the Redeemer's hymns. We put our faith in one convenient Sunday box. Then we put our work or our work at home or our work outside in the world Monday to Friday, we put that separately in a Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday box. 
So we tend to look, see our lives as what we do on Sunday for God and what we do Monday to Saturday, and that's largely for ourselves. But what the Redeemer's Hymn is doing, the Redeemer's Hymn is inviting us to live all of our life in just one box under the Lordship of Christ Jesus. It does not differentiate these two into two separate boxes. It invites us to live in one box. What we do on Sunday or Monday through Saturday are all part of God's redemption story. When Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 to 20 says, Jesus has redeemed all things, it implies that the sum total of all of our lives should be just one box under the Lordship of Christ. Jesus has redeemed us so that we might participate, we might partner with God in the redemption of all people and in the renewal of all things. But we forget this. We also forget that the redemption of all people and the renewal of all things are interconnected at so many different levels. To put, put it simply, to be relevant and effective in reaching all people, we must also be relevant and effective in the renewal of all things. To be relevant and mission, in mission, we must also be relevant in cultural renewal. We must also be relevant in vocational renewal. We must also be relevant in social renewal. Think of a well. Um, I'm sure all of us have seen a well. You know, we've, we've probably uh, looked in, in, into a well. And imagine a man is saying something from inside the well. Imagine a man is preaching from inside a well. What, what is that going to sound like? He's going to sound muffled. He's going to sound disconnected from the rest of the world. He's not at all going to be effective in whatever he has to say if he's saying it from inside the well. And so if as Christians we are confined to expressing our faith only within the walls of the church, if all, if 95% or 99% of our expressions, of, our, of the expressions of our faith in Jesus Christ is happening only on Sunday within the church or perhaps small groups, and if this, this, we are not living out our faith, if we are not expressing our faith out there in the world, then we are going to be like the man inside the well. No one will listen to us. If we don't intentionally and winsomely engage in all aspects of public life, in everything that we do, if we don't intentionally engage, and the only thing we have to do is our expression of faith in, on, on Sundays, then we're going to sound like the man in the well. On the other hand, if we are engaged deeply, if we, are, if we are winsomely engaged in all aspects of renewal, vocational, everywhere, if we are kind of constantly thinking, how can I be God's agent of renewal in our societies, in our offices, in our neighborhoods, then when we talk about sin and salvation, 
people are more likely to listen. A greater engagement in the renewal of all things is going to enhance our effectiveness in evangelism and mission. A lower engagement in vocational renewal and the renewal of all things, on the other hand, will blunt our effectiveness in mission and evangelism. So the renewal of all people, the redemption of all people and the renewal of all things are, are connected. They are interconnected. And we need to discover a theology of renewal of all things more than ever before. We need to rediscover the full implications of the Redeemer's hymn in our vocational lives, in our social lives, in our leisure lives, and in our public, public life. We need to live as if every square inch of the world belongs to Christ Jesus. And indeed, it does. Because the Redeemer's hymn reminds us that Christ has redeemed all things. It reminds us that all things hold together in him. And as we read in the passage, Christ is preeminent in everything. We must sing and live the Redeemer's hymn in our secular world. What, does, what might this look like practically in everyday life? The Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Colossians, he teases this out in this book and elsewhere. In our occasional lives, whatever you do, we work at it with all our hearts as working for the Lord, not men. That's Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. In our social and leisure life, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 30, 31. Practically, it means that we live all our lives as participants in God building his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. This is not just a pursuit of individual salvation and sanctification, which is of highest importance, yes, but it also includes that we participate with God in building God's kingdom here on earth in every aspect of life. And that brings us to the third and the last thing I want to close, close with. Living out the Redeemer's hymn is a high calling. It is also a difficult calling. It's not easy, especially in a place like Mumbai. It's not easy. We, we forget this. We get distracted. So how do we find the power to live such a high calling? How do we find, how do we receive the power to live as if Christ is Lord over all of our lives? The answer is definitely not that we try harder. The answer is not that we beat ourselves up. We make us feel so bad about ourselves that, that we'll become better people tomorrow. The answer is not that we strive. The answer is not that we put in more effort. The answer is simple. It is easy and it is liberating. And the answer is right here in the passage in the middle of the Redeemer's hymn, verse 18. Christ is the head of the body, the church. Christ is our head. You know, when the Bible says that Christ is our head, Christ is the head of the church, this is not a metaphor. It is not figurative. This is not an illustration. The Bible, when it says Christ is the head of the body, the church, it is speaking 
of a reality. The reality that Christ the head and the church's body is speaking about is our union with Christ. You see, if he is the head and we are the body, it means we are in union with Christ. I mean, can you ever think of a head and a body that are separated? Can you ever think of a head and a body that are not in absolute union with one another? When the Bible talks about Christ the head and all of us, the church, the body, it is talking about a union with Christ. The book of Colossians is full of this doctrine. Colossians chapter 2 verse 12. We have been buried with Christ in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith. So in our burial and in our resurrection and going inside the waters and coming out, we have been united with Christ. We're experiencing a union with Christ. The Bible talks about our baptism as an experience, as being symbolic of our union with Christ. And that's the beauty of what Jesus did for us. We keep talking about it every week. That Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, who was perfect and sinless, he laid down his life, even to death on a cross, taking the punishment for all of your sins and mine upon himself so that we could be forgiven and reconciled. You know, but, but here's the beauty of what he did. He did not, Jesus did not accomplish our salvation from far away. Jesus did not accomplish our salvation by from the outside. Jesus did not accomplish our salvation even by standing beside us. No. He saved us and he invited us to union with him. You see, when we came to faith in Jesus, when we became part of the church, we were united with Christ. Every one of us who believe in Jesus, we are in the present today experiencing an unbreakable union with Christ. That's what it means when the Bible says in, in the Redeemer's hymn, he is the head and we are the body. So the power to live the Redeemer's hymn, as weak as we are, as frail as we are, comes from our union with Christ. And all we need to do is to remember this. And that's what the songs did this morning. That we can come to Jesus because we are his. We can come to Jesus because we are in union with Christ because of what he has done. So the more we live in an awareness and a realization and by the Holy Spirit tapping into the, the reality of our union with Christ the more power we receive from on high to live the Redeemer's hymn. If we remain in him, we will bear much fruit. If we, the branches, remain in union with Christ the wine, we will bear much fruit. Would you join with me in praying that God will help every one of us, that the Spirit of God, who is living in every one of us who believes in Jesus, will help every one of us really, truly experience and appropriate this union with Christ that we all enjoy. Father, we worship you, Lord. 
uh, Lord, uh, I feel like um, I feel like a, a, a rich man living in poverty. Uh, I know that in Christ, even as we uh, sung, we have such a rich, even the verse that we read in the middle of worship, we have such a rich inheritance in Christ Jesus. But we all live with a, a poverty mindset spiritually, Lord. And so we struggle in the world. We stumble, we fall, we wear ourselves out. We become tired, fatigued, fatigued, disillusioned, and not effective in being uh, agents of transformation in the world. And I know this is because uh, we're not experiencing, truly experiencing the fullness of our union with Christ. So this morning we pray, Lord, uh, through this time of prayer, through the communion that we're moving into, by your spirit, would you help every one of us just behold, just pause, and consider that we are united with Christ, that we are in union with Christ, that we are in an eternally unbreakable union with Christ. And so, Lord, by faith, together, of one accord, we proclaim over this church, we proclaim, Lord, by faith, that Christ is the head, and we are the body, and we are in union with Christ. Help us to live this out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.